Welcome to the Minimal Mom Podcast. Dawn reaches a million women each month with practical tips to simplify your home. Joshua Becker is the Wall Street Journal and U.S. Today bestselling author of Simplify, The More of Less, and Clutter Free with Kids. He is the founder and editor of Becoming Minimalist, a website dedicated to intentional living that was named by Success Magazine as one of the top 10 personal development websites on the internet. Today, based on his thoughtful and intentional approach to minimal He is one of the leading voices in the modern simplicity movement, reaching over 1 million readers every month. He is also the founder of The Hope Effect, a nonprofit organization changing how the world cares for orphans. Well, Joshua, I mean, I've shared this before, but you you were the one who inspired my minimalism journey nine years ago now. So how long have you called yourself a minimalist? Well, first of all, it's nice to be on the show just to get to hear that again. So thank you for starting with <laughs> so that. So thank you. I should have I should have actually been more no. elaborate with my praise. No, I like to be on the show every so often <laughs> just so I can just so I can hear that. Thank you. Uh, Fifteen and a half years ago, wow. May yeah. two thousand and eight, I was first introduced to the idea of minimalism and. Um, yeah. I was in right away as soon as I heard the word. And let's go back to that day. We've never we've never really unpacked that. So you're standing in your driveway. You've been cleaning out your garage. Your next door neighbor. Uh, I mean, you can tell the story. But what did what did your next door neighbor say to you? Well, it was a it was a really short conversation. Um, she had been. It was spring cleaning in Vermont. Uh, it had been this long muddy. There's this long mud season in Vermont where it takes a long time to dry out when you can actually clean some stuff around. So it was Memorial Day weekend and I was cleaning out my garage. My neighbor, uh, June, she was, I don't know, probably 80 or so by then, um, was uh, doing all of her yard work and we just happened to cross each other on the kind of on the boundary line there. And I started complaining about my garage project and she started complaining about her yard work and She, I, the phrase I always use when I'm speaking is, uh, she said, that's why my daughter is a minimalist. She keeps telling me I don't need to own all this stuff. Yeah. And I think it was probably pretty close to the exact words. I don't think I've Mm -hmm. made up anything, but I've so, I've told the story so many times. That's just what I, (laughs) so you go with, (laughs) like, concretely remember her saying, even though it might have been a variation of that. But yeah, I was a pile of stuff in my driveway and my, Son was alone in the backyard, and I'm like, "What am I doing with my life?" Yeah. So you said you were in right away. So then you go in the house, and what do you tell your wife, Kim? Again, the phrasing that I use when I speak, because uh, it always draws a laugh, is I go in and I find Kim, and I said, "You'll never guess what June just said. She said we don't have to own all this stuff." And people always think that's funny for some reason. I. I don't know why people think it's such a funny line, but that's that's the way I say it. I mean, certainly it was probably a, a bit of a longer conversation. And I just ran into June and we talked for a little bit and she gave me this word, minimalism. And she says her her daughter's a minimalist and tries to own uh, own fewer things. So that was, I'm sure, how the conversation actually. You're like, I, I always try to speak to my wife in as few words as possible. So I yeah. just said, did you know we don't have to have all this? Yes, stuff? And she, she likes like, it. She no, likes, I did it. We're on my, board. I'm on board. Let's get rid of everything. She likes when I don't talk to her too much. No. Um, so my son was five and he was in the backyard with me. Well, he was in the backyard while I was working on the garage. My daughter, Alexa, was two 
and my wife had been cleaning all the inside of the house for spring cleaning. And it was early afternoon and like we had literally spent um, all morning and into the early afternoon cleaning stuff and doing things that we were all like just felt the frustration of no one likes to spend their days spends their weekends doing that. You might have just unlocked a secret here because people always say, how do I get my spouse on board? You have to go tell them to clean the garage and spend a full day cleaning it. And then at the end of it, tell them, oh, by the way, did you know, in Joshua's words, <laughs> did you know we don't have to have all this stuff? <laughs> halfway, th- halfway through. Um, no, actually, it is a uh, it is a conversation that I that I try to t- have with people about how do you talk to your spouse? Like you do need to frame minimalism, frame owning less in a way that would resonate with your spouse. And if you're the one that does most of the house care and most of the maintenance, then certainly owning less allows you to do less of that. And so you're going to be drawn to that. But if you're if your spouse or partner isn't the one who feels that weight and doesn't yeah. have to put in that effort, then like you're gonna have to find a different reason that would resonate with them in terms yeah. of minimalism. But anyway, mm-hmm. I know you meant it as a joke, um, but maybe it would be a, a brilliant idea. <laughs> so Kim was pretty open though to the idea. Uh, she was, yeah, yeah. she was. Uh, I was probably uh, more passionate about wanting to own less, like the mental mm-hmm. picture in my mind of what does this look like to me was probably very different than the mental picture that was going on in her mind. But I mean, I was certainly at a point in this process to figure that out or learn what that meant or, you know, navigate that anymore. But uh, it wasn't, no, we're not doing that. Um, It was, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in knowing a little bit more about it. So where, I mean, 15 years ago, where did you look to look for inspiration about what minimalism looks like for a family? So the first thing I did was I uh, went online and I Googled minimalism. And if I recall minimalist art and minimalist architecture, like that was a pretty common phrase back then 15 years ago, but like a minimalist lifestyle wasn't uh, really anything that very many people were talking about. And so I don't know how I, I don't know how I changed the phrasing and now I forget the exact title, but I landed on an article from Leo Babauta at zenhabits.net, which a website I had never been to. I believe the title is a guide to creating a minimalist home. And literally it was like 13 steps and they were very, they were very practical and specific, but they weren't concrete. They weren't like Mm. uh, rigid. It was like clear things off your floors and look for decorations that you don't need and consider downsizing your wardrobe. And it was, uh, it was just the perfect thing that I needed to read literally that, that afternoon of, I think it, opened my eyes to all the different areas in my home where I had excess. And it sent me down this road of not just, hey, there's too much stuff in the garage, but oh man, my life has been about accumulating Mm. more than I need. And I went and bought a book a little while later, um, but that article is enough to to get me going. Yeah. And who would have thought, you know, not even that long later, people would Google minimalism and your blog would be showing up. Could you ever imagine that it would become what it has? No, I, um, in my memory, I, I used to think I started the blog that Saturday night, but when I look at the dates of the post, it was actually the Monday. Uh, so, uh, cause it was Memorial day. So Saturday, and then I was a pastor at the time. So Sunday, 
I worked and Good. then Monday was like a holiday. And um, so I'm sure I was looking for something to do by the end of the day. So I just started the free, a free website, becoming minimalist.wordpress.com, which I, or .org, whichever one is the free WordPress site. I think you can still find it because I lost, lost a login and I'm not sure how to, <laughs> how to delete it. So you can find the really old one out there somewhere, but I wanted to share what I was doing and what I was getting rid of. And I'd tried a couple of other blogs. I liked writing. I liked the idea of having a blog. And for some reason, the connection just uh, worked in my mind that, hey, this is something that I could write about. Well, and I don't know, maybe this is the difference between men and women. You you were starting your journey and you started your blog at the same time. I thought, if I ever get my house fully decluttered and simplified, I'm going to start a blog and and help other women <laughs> with it. But I was like, I just thought like, oh, I have to, I have to achieve that first before I could, anyone's going to take me seriously. So I actually love that you started at the beginning because I regret now that I didn't track more of the actual process of decluttering my house the first time. Well, you, uh, you said something very good in there about, I would want to start a blog or start a YouTube channel to help other women. And like when I started, it wasn't to help other people. It was like, mm. I was literally just like an online like journal. Dear diary. Of, <laughs> yeah. What we were getting rid of and what okay. I was learning. And I wanted people to read it, but it wasn't until I think maybe a year and a half into it. And I can mm. remember the day of thinking, cause I started getting emails from people or I started reading comments of people asking questions about how I handled certain things. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I, I, I think I have learned enough that I could Mm -hmm. um, try to speak into this and offer some helpful advice yeah. to people. Yeah. And we're so glad that you did because you've offered so much helpful advice, um, to me, especially, you know, <laughs> so. that's why I like to come on every so often just to hear you thank me. So this is perfect. <laughs> so, okay. Well, let's talk about this though, because were there things that Kim was more attached to than you or that you're like, I don't quite understand your attachment to this thing. Like throw it in the donation bin and let's go. Attachment is a word that I I can't think of anything. Uh, certainly some of her things, I suppose. Attachment tend, to me seems to think very like emotional and sentimental. Okay. And mm -hmm. certainly there are some things over the years that that she's done a better job of, of keeping some of those things than I have, which I'm thankful for. I mean, I'm thankful for it. Um, I probably would have made a you know a quicker decision at some point on things, and I don't know. Maybe our life would have turned out better. Who who knows? <laughs> who knows how life could have been yeah. uh, if things had looked changed, if things had looked different. Um, yeah. But you know the the biggest difference between uh, Kim and I. Number one, um, if I was in to get rid of eighty percent of our stuff, she was maybe thinking about getting rid of 50% of our okay. stuff. And so mm -hmm. like the first layer of things was pretty easy to get mm -hmm. rid of. And then I'm like, this is great. There's more benefit if we keep going, let's get rid of even more. Okay. And then that's when there started to be a little pushback of, I think we've gotten rid of enough. We're not getting rid of that. So that was the the first thing that we kind of learned uh, a little bit later okay. on, just defi different definitions of what that was going to mean. And then the second thing where we probably saw the biggest disagreement and or even uh, friction, unfortunately, uh, for a little while was like there were things in the home that she was basically in charge of, for example, her own closet, the clothes for my kids as they were gr growing, 
buying the school supplies, like, like some of those things were just what she did. I learned pretty early on, but I wish I had earned, learned earlier to like just trust her in that mm, and okay. and not question, hey, why are we bringing home another pair of shoes? Why are you doing back yeah. to school shopping if they had enough clothes for the summer? Don't they have mm-hmm. enough clothes to start school? Like what's, right. what yeah. are we, uh, what's going on here? The Christmas gifts at first. Um, so like just yeah. finally mm-hmm. saying, okay, like if that's your area, then unless I'm going to take over that area, right. which I'm not interested yeah. in doing, then- I'm going to let you make those decisions and I'm I'm going to I'm going to trust you in them. Yeah. And I think, you know, for a lot of women, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom, I I know something I struggled with was where is the line between being financially responsible, frugal, a good steward in you know, keeping clothes that are a little bit too big that they'll grow into, but I got it at a thrift store. It was a hand-me-down. Where's that line between stocking up on stuff on clearance and just understanding like, I'm going to forget that I have it, (laughs) you know? And so that probably took me a little bit longer to navigate, to realize, you know, I like to talk about how everything in our house is inventory that we have to manage. And I was forgetting about so much of that stuff, or I just wasn't able to pull it out in time. And then feeling that feeling of, oh, no, they they already grew out of this and they're not even going to have a chance to wear it. Or, oh, I did buy school supplies last year and now I bought them again because I didn't know they were there. And I can really manage very little. And so to not try and stock up on that stuff. But that's a, that's a slow ship to turn sometimes because it gets confusing when you think you're being responsible by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you could be being responsible. Uh, the problem is, well, maybe you could speak to this better, that the problem I think becomes when we have too much to manage, right? And we're we're holding on to clothes for for the next child, but the next child already has more clothes yeah. mm-hmm. than they need. And so, mm-hmm. and more clothes are coming in all yeah. the time and you just forget about the box of stuff in yep. the basement because mm-hmm. there's enough already. Totally. I just got to visit with Zoe Kim from Raising Simple. And she said that she thinks one of the reasons people might say like, well, oh, I've decluttered, but I'm not really experiencing the benefits is that they haven't actually gone far enough in in an area to really experience the benefits. Were you surprised how far you actually had to go to really feel like your house was peaceful and simple and, and easy to manage where you're not spending full weekends anymore um, having to clean and organize it? No, I, uh, I I don't feel like I had to go very far. As a matter of fact, I, I feel like I, I I should go back on the blog and look to see the first time I I wrote about a benefit of minimalism, but I think I, I wrote my first blog post about, hey, this lifestyle is going to mean this for me, I think within the first 72 hours. And it wasn't, wow. it wasn't, hey, my life has radically changed uh, in all these amazing ways. It mm-hmm. was more, a little bit more projection in the future mm-hmm. of, Hey, if I keep doing this, then it's going to mean this. If then, if then mm-hmm. type stuff. Yeah. Uh, but two, like two very particular memories that I have. Uh, I think the first thing I wrote down was how minimalism would allow me to save more money or, or at least change mm-hmm. my relationship with money and get mm-hmm. ahead financially. And it was, it, it's just, hey, we're removing things from our home. Hey, here's this whole idea of not buying things that you don't need. Oh man, I'm, I'm going to save money if I'm not yeah. buying a bunch of stuff. 
And so again, I hadn't necessarily saved any money at the time, but I could see how it would, how it would happen. The second one that came to my mind pretty quick was we declared the living room pretty quickly, the car and then the living room. And we had some built-in shelves in the, in the living room, like eight of them. And they were just full of like plates and decorations and knickknacks. And I think the bottom two shelves were all toys and like books that made us look smart. <laughs> um, and we, like, I got rid of half of the, like half the decorations. As I was up there, I'm like noticing how dusty it is because we hadn't dusted these shelves for forever <laughs> how long. And, um, and it was so easy to like, just swipe the cloth. Like I can literally remember like picking up one little figurine and dusting the cloth, dusting the entire shelf and being like, this is so much easier than it was <laughs> when there were four or five things on there. Mm -hmm. And so like pretty clearly, oh man, the less you own, the easier it is to clean your house. Um, yeah. So that, I, I think those are the first two that I wrote down more time and more cleaning and yeah. Yeah, certainly the full benefits of them and the the more mature benefits of hey, this changes my mornings, this changes how I view myself in the world. Like like some mm -hmm. of those were certainly yeah. richer and deeper. But um, yeah, no, I think they have. I I at least projected them pretty quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. But maybe, but maybe because I was looking for something to write. What can I make up that um, yeah. this is changing in my life? And oh, cleaning was easy. It was actually very helpful. I encourage everyone to do it. Like articulate the benefits of owning less whenever you see them. Yeah. Because uh, I think it keeps moving us forward. Yeah, that's awesome. And now that your kids are older, what's your best advice for parents about raising kids that appreciate living with less? I know contentment's always a word that, you know, parents are trying to strive for. I don't think it's ever been harder to raise kids that are content with what they have and where they are right now because there's so much in front of them all the time. Yeah. I agree. Although probably every set of parents said that said about that. their kids, don't you think? <laughs> um, never been harder. Uh, I it's so used over and over again when you talk about parenting, but the reason it's said over and over again is because it's absolutely true. And I would have said it when my kids were two and five that the example you live for them, not the words that you say, but the example you set for them matters most. I would have said it when they were two and five, and now that they're 21 and 17, I would say it even more. Like I, mm -hmm. it's even... It's even more important now yeah. that, that people yeah. understand that. Um, so the example you set, I'll, I'll add a couple others. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is uh, still a lot of importance in finding things that you're going to do together as a family. Some things might require stuff, but not everything that you're going to do as a family and the culture of your family needs to include stuff. But I think there mm -hmm. still should be things. We uh, we don't buy stuff, but we really enjoy eating nice dinners and trying new foods, which probably gets easier mm -hmm. as they get a little bit older. But like this mm -hmm. is something that we do where we go on a trip uh, once mm -hmm. a year. Otherwise, if there aren't any things around and they're teenagers with phones, then it's just sitting on the couch and playing with your phone because yeah. there's nothing else going on in the world. So um mm -hmm. So being intentional and strategic about that. And then uh, I have found as my kids have gotten older, you know, the older they get, the more responsibility they they should take on themselves and mm -hmm. the more decisions they get to make 
for themselves. And so even when they're in my home, but they have a job and they're making their own money, I can steer and coach and I can still yeah. offer, you know, how I would spend my money if I were them. Yeah. Um, but you know, they'll get to make those decisions and certainly they'll get to make them even more when they're, when they're older. But, um, yeah. you can set the culture a little more tight. I think the younger they are and the older they get, I think you turn into more of a coach and you let your example speak for itself and let them make mistakes if they need to. Yeah. So, I mean, as they got older into the teenage years, did you pretty much just like let them keep whatever they wanted, like in their bedrooms or did you find it was, it was kind of a non-issue because you had set the culture as in the younger years? I wouldn't say it's a, a non-issue. Uh, different personalities play it out a, a little bit differently. My son has always been pretty content to, to save his money and, and not spend it on stuff. Uh, my daughter, she, she buys more clothes than mm -hmm. I would uh, more than I would want her to, but you know, she earns the <laughs> yes. money and my wife's pretty good about still going in and when the closet's getting full and like, let's, mm -hmm. let's declutter it. And, yeah. um, and she hasn't put up a fuss about that. She sees it and she understands it. Um, so I've, I've been hearing recently too, a lot of women that say like, I want my kids to help around the house more. Um, I feel like because we didn't set that tone early on that it's, it's really a struggle now that they are tweens and, and teens. And I've felt that as we've really highly simplified our house that I feel like it's easier to involve our kids in all the household tasks because it's not so overwhelming. Do you feel like it was easier with that as your kids were growing? Uh, yes, I uh, I agree. Although there's less things to give kids to do. It's true. There's some days I'm like, oh, when, this is when, easy. Like, when, you have, when you have less stuff, there's just less cleaning uh, that they need to do. But yeah, no, I yeah. you know taking charge of uh, our kids have always had the uh, you know my son is in charge of making sure that trees get watered. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's always mm -hmm. things to do. Yeah. And I think having them, you know, take ownership of that is uh, certainly important and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you alluded to a little bit that you, this process has also let you be a little more maybe introspective or become more confident in yourself. So what's something more recently that you've been learning about yourself or exploring? I read two books this year that have, well, number one, I read uh, uh, Elon Musk's biography that just came out this uh, mm. this fall. And then um, there's a really old book called uh, The Magic of Thinking Big. I think yeah. it's back from the 60s or something. And mm -hmm. I've been right, I'm making my family read it right now. We've been going through it. Very, um, very helpful. So that's mm -hmm. probably been the last six months or so. And they're both books about like really thinking big with your life. Um, I mean, Musk is trying to get to Mars and yeah. save free speech. And like yeah. the, the magic of thinking big is is all about, you know, dreaming big for your life and the magic of how that begins to play itself out in a very rational mm -hmm. way. I love it. I think it's the best. I've always been a positive thinking guy, but the magic of thinking big, I think, explains why it works so well. So I'd recommend it to anyone and, and everyone, even though I've always thought of myself as a positive thinker that that should probably change the way I think about some things and talk to myself about some things and dream even bigger dreams for my life, which for me has never been about wanting to have a, a bigger house in a nicer neighborhood or wanting to have a bunch of money, but uh, influencing more people and reaching more people and um, impacting more people. Yeah, that's so good. And I mean, you have a few great books out right now. If you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you, what would you write about? 
Uh, if I could write a book tomorrow, I'd probably start writing a book tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be doing if it. I had now, an, if I had an idea, I would, uh, I would do I, it. You had said, I don't know, probably a year ago, you weren't going to write any more books. But is it hard for a writer to hang up the pen and stop typewriter and not keep writing anymore? Or do you always have books floating around your head? Like, if I were going to do that, I would. I'm sure different writers are different, and some people have. I can't wait to get to the next book. I have my next three books all planned out. I've, I've never been that unfortunately uh, <laughs> books are really hard for me to write I, I much prefer the the blog post article format yeah and so I know some of those things that I want to write and can't wait mm -hmm. to write but an entire book for me means man I've really got to be passionate about one specific thing that mm -hmm. uh, that I want to communicate maybe if I could write them quicker then I could uh, have a bunch of other topics I want to do but to me they're very uh, take on a very big role. Uh, if I could do anything, um, if I had to write a book tomorrow, uh, I would write a book that goes back to my uh, my pastoring days a little bit, my uh, my Christian faith and my my passion for that. And uh, it would probably be a book about how minimalism um, benefits our our spiritual lives. Mm. Um, so not necessarily yeah. how our spirituality or how the Bible would dictate what minimalism should look like, but it would be the kind of the other way around of how minimalism allows us to, to live out more some of the things that. Well, that would be fascinating. I would, I would read that book. So oh, just so you know. You. <laughs> thank you. I like to come on every so often just to hear you say you would read my book. <laughs> In the past, we've joked about your hair. We've joked about the things you get criticism for. I think after our last interview, there was a lot of comments that were like, wow, Joshua is really funny. Like we had a great time in our last, you are, you're very funny and engaging. What do you think one is one of the things that's just most misunderstood about you that gets taken out of context? Well, nobody knows what I do. I, I find like um, when I'm at parties and meeting new people and like the, the topic of, so what, what's your job? Like most people can offer a job and people can like ask follow-up questions and figure out what that <laughs> means. Um, but when I explain what I do, they're like, I think they just move on to someone else. Um, so I don't think anyone really knows what so I what do. So what do you say though? How do you describe it? I write words and I hope people pay to read them. That's, <laughs> uh, maybe that, but uh, maybe honestly, like the biggest thing is probably that that minimalism is my greatest passion in life. And like, it's, it's really not like, mm -hmm. like my faith is what drives me more than anything else. And probably I invest more time and, and passion in that and minimalism has always just been a way for me to live that out and a, a, a mm -hmm. way for me to um, make a difference um, yeah. through my faith so mm -hmm. maybe that one at least to people who don't know me i think people who know me know that that that's the driving force yeah. in my life but people yeah. from the outside meeting me for the first time yeah yeah well and let's talk about the ways that you're helping others so the hope effect how many years has the hope effect been going on now uh we founded well we announced uh the hope effect in uh 2015 fall of 2015 is when we announced it we actually started um thinking about it at the end of 2014 and then we spent a year so uh joe dergo is executive director he's been there since the very beginning and they do amazing work. I think they've grown 40% each of the last two years and are hoping to grow another 40% next year and expanding into new locations. And just a quick snapshot. So we yeah. we work in nations uh, that still use 
uh, traditional orphanages to care for their orphan children, which we've known for decades is pretty harmful for kids. Uh, and so we work in those places, change laws if we need to, but uh, more or less try to get a foster care system set up in countries of the world where, where it doesn't exist because uh, every child deserves a family. Um, uh, brains develop correctly in a family as opposed to an orphanage and kids receive attention and affection. So that's the work that we're, that's what we're doing. And the, the, uh, the money from the, the books uh, that I've written um, have always gone to uh, start the nonprofit and keep it running. And of course, now it's way bigger than um, yeah. my gifts, but yeah, always that's been awesome. a passion of mine. Yeah. And then tell us about your decluttering certification too. This is really cool. Uh, last fall, well, I took last year to uh, create a certification course, uh, Becker Method Certified. And it takes the 15 years I've learned of helping people own less and it trains others into how to help others own mm -hmm. less, if that yeah. makes sense. And uh, a couple reasons for it. Number one, I've, I've had the blog, I've had books, I've done the online course and I can see like different people need different resources mm -hmm. in order to own less. Some people can read just an article. Other people can read a book and that's enough for them. Some people need more. And so they take an online course where there's a community aspect and they're doing it together. Yeah. Uh, but even after eight years of doing the online course, there are a few people that even need, who can I get to come into my home and like help me make totally. these decisions? So I started training uh, professional declutterers on my process and my method, which I think is the most effective for the most number of people. So here's how I answer these questions. Here's how yeah. I overcome these obstacles. Uh, here's the approach that you should take in someone's home, whether they're professional organizers or senior move managers or uh, want to get into that type of industry, but have a passion for owning less along the way. Uh, it's a very specific training. There's a pastor who went through it. There's a social worker who went through it, a psychologist. There's a yeah. medical doctor. Like all people That's who could cool. just see, hey, this is something that would be very beneficial that I could help people yes. with. And so if I knew how to do this better, um, that would be that would be helpful. We've had individuals go through it who just mm -hmm. want to help their parents own less. Yeah. Because that's very common that people get their house decluttered and then they're like, this changes everything. Like it really is life changing. So of course yeah. I want to go out and help others, but I don't exactly know where to start, right? So I love that you yeah. have this now to help them. It's like the it's like the 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 background to why I say things the way I do, how I mm. say things the way I do, why I encourage people to start in the easiest, most lived in areas, like the the human yeah. behavioral principles behind why that works for so many yeah. people. And then once you once you see it, uh, then I think you're in yeah. uh, a great spot to walk in anybody's home that wants help. And totally. actually, the first the first one is all about like convincing people how to own less and. Um, like not manipulative, but like how do we <laughs> motivate people and what do we know about yeah. persuading people and motivating yeah. people? And so, um, oh, that's fascinating. I started that last that's fall awesome. and we took uh, mm -hmm. 70, took 70 people through it last year. And so cool. Wonderful. There's a lot of you. You say there's a few people that might need more, <laughs> more one-on-one -on -one help. There's a lot of people that like, have been like, I have been trying, but I've not been able to achieve my goals on my own. So if they can go to your website and find someone potentially in their area, that would be incredible. Yeah. And it would be someone who uh, speaks my language, like like knows 
how I talk about these things and how I take people through it. And so certainly there's different ways to do it. But if you're like, no, I've always connected with uh, Joshua. I've always connected with becoming minimalist. Then, hey, here's someone who like Joshua's privately trained how to how to do this well. So yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, I worked on that all, all last year. So there you yeah. go. That's awesome. Well, of course, we'll link to anything that we mentioned, but always good to catch up. Is there any question that you you don't ever get asked in interviews that you wish someone would ask you? Like, how are you uh, actually, Joshua? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, this was this was a great conversation. I, it's it's fun. I think uh, it's fun knowing someone a little bit going on a podcast where you know them, and it's not like I have to start at page one and answering all the same questions <laughs> over and over again, but. I love what you're doing and it's, it's amazing. And I yeah. love having you on the, on the team and, um, forwarding the, the movement and, uh, helping totally, more and more people right? own less. So Til all have heard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There you go. Awesome. Well, great to visit with you and we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll visit again soon. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're looking for more support, be sure to check out the minimal mom on YouTube too. And we'll see you next time.